answer what you know about it. It's the stool, baby. Got the knees and blast. Young stool, baby. And the room a lot. Hello, hello. You're listening to The Stew. My name is Jason Stewart. This is my food podcast. You're in the building with Andre Conaparo in your building. Chris Stewart is not here because he is basically dead. R.I.P. Stu, you work too hard, buddy. Mm. Poor guy. He's, you know, he's working the restaurant game. He's working nonstop, working doubles, working two weeks with no days off. True, uh, true restaurant hours. And you got him on the clock tonight, too. And I've got him on the club tonight as well. Yes, yeah, Stewie's working in the club with me tonight. We have a very big, uh, very big party one four three that we're I'm throwing with my girlfriend and some friends. Let's get into Maya's rider. We're gonna get into Maya's rider only if you agree to go to the club with me tonight. <laughs> For listeners at home, please convince Andre three days ago <laughs> to go to the club that happened three days ago. You listening to this on Saturday? Uh, we are just listening to a song that that name drops Yeti Coolers in the lyrics. This is not a song that I wrote. No, I'm on my phone trying to get lyrics for it, and it somehow took me to a it's page. A, it's a country music song called Buy Me a Boat. Where Buy Me a Boat. Where it's basically saying money can't buy you anything. Money can't buy you everything, but it can buy you a boat. It can buy you a truck to pull it. Yep. It can buy you a Yeti 110. Ice down with some silver bullets. Ice down with some silver bullets. Yeah, this is by Chris Jansen. It's called Buy Me a Boat. Chris. And I feel like. Chris Jansen, isn't that the To Catch a Predator guy? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think I'm pretty (laughs) sure. I think he's the guy that bow hunted the, the lion. Oh, last year, I think. Oh, no. It's it's sad to be a Yeti man with with him. But I just, so I was just going through the radio, forwarding through random stations, bored, driving, and some country western song came on that was so ridiculous that I just listened to it for 30 seconds. And there it is, the name drop of Yeti Coolers. And I feel like made me sad because with his like eight million views or whatever it is and he's on the radio i don't think yeti needs us anymore yeti yeti never did but i, I was kind of hoping to get in there early well for all i know yeti sponsors nascar and i don't even know these things i know and they also and they, and they didn't say a yeti cooler they just said a yeti yeah, 110 which is so much better than any of the so they just listed they listed a model number of a yeah. cooler, which is I'm assuming the the Ford F three fifty King Cab no, of Yeti, the baller version. It's mm. the one you can put four deers in. <laughs> About four deers. About four deers. Three and a half depends on yeah. how depends on the point. Hey, the bucks I'm getting two you, tops. You talking about twelve points? Well, no, we only get two in there, but. It's yeah. still the best. I mean, it is a country music song. Yeti Cooler is in the game with with the Bass Pro Shops market, the uh, you know the hunting and fishing channel, the NASCAR. But that's where we come in, spreading to the liberal arts and media section, the NPR crowd, podcast friendly people. It, you know, it made me sad, but it also, in a way, made me feel comforted in my own opinion of products because. If this thing's name dropped in a country western song, it really is the greatest cooler ever made. Yes, these are these are cooler people. 
If he's if he's saying Yeti one ten, everyone's like, yeah, man. If I could just hit that lottery or get that uncle to die with all that money, could get the one ten. I'm sitting on the fifty five, but that one ten, she's pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like us talking about uh, different kinds of olive oil or something like sure. that. Sure, you know we people don't know about most people don't know about the Yeti, but these people do. I also like the idea of people. Kind of like Dick showing different models of coolers. Like they're sitting around, like, "Was that? What's that? One ten? No, no, it's not. I mean, it's, it's a it's a seventy, but I keep it clean. <laughs> you know, we had a we had a rough year. Had to yeah, send had Ricky to, to back, call. But, you know? I mean, it's three years old, but you know, she's clean. I got her used. Um, also, this is a box that I used to keep beer in. <laughs> it cost me four hundred dollars. <laughs> so who's the who's the dumb dumb? <laughs> I wonder if Jeff. Has got a Yeti. He does not have a Yeti, but he probably wants one just as bad. He should have asked one on his wedding registry. We still would have just got him a gun. I know. True. (laughs) Um, Well, we can definitely open up with some uh, a peek behind the the music industry curtain. I'm I'm doing a show with R&B sensation and singer Maya, spelled M Y A. Yeah. And today I got to go to the market. Yep, and facilitate her hospitality rider, as we say in the biz. So when you say market, you mean like a guy in El Camino that sells you coke? I mean Vons. Vons. All right, very <laughs> different. Well, I would have gone to Trader Joe's, but there's items on the list that I couldn't get there. Yeah, unfortunately. All right, we're gonna go down. We're just gonna run through it. We're gonna we're gonna pick it apart like yow, vultures. Yow. First thing on there, hot water dispenser or yeah, electric sure. kettle. For the for lubing up those pipes, you get those vocals clean. Lemon ginger herbal tea, good call. That's another classic <laughs> singer singer item. I don't want to jump ahead, but probably honey. That's where you're wrong. The next item on the list, agave. Please, no honey. Raw agave sweetener. Okay, all right. What's up with that, dog? It's been a while since I hung out with Ma- Mariah Carey, so I'm not really sure think, where she's at. I think Maya might be vegan. No kidding. Yeah. That would definitely explain honey. If raw, she is... Raw agave sweetener. Not regular. I had right. to get the $7 thing of raw agave honey. Maya sounds kind of hardline. She's a little hardline. But thank God we're living in a time of 2016 where I can go to a regular-ass supermarket in Glendale, California and buy raw agave. No, it's insane. It's pretty like, dope. I actually, it's funny. I had the same moment today before you got here because I went to Albertsons to get some stuff for the Hainan chicken. We're going to eat after this podcast. Hell yeah. And I was out of agave and I got some. And so I'm in the, I'm like, okay, so it's probably, I've never bought it. I always get it at Trader Joe's or Whole Foods. So I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, it's probably like near the sugars. Where is it? And, I, and I'm at the sugars and I look up and there's like seven different agaves <laughs> from dark to light to an organic brand. And Blue. And this is like in an Albertsons, in a Safeways. It's yeah. Like, Holy sh- This is amazing. This is good. Because even five years ago, maybe, maybe you would have one agave yep. at Whole Foods. But, you know, there's no shelf space for it now. A baker's dozen. The times we live in. Next on the list, Ricola throat lozenges, non-honey, non-colored. Is that hard? That sounds hard to find. I just got the classic plain original one. Okay. So I guess you bought it at Vons. Yeah. Okay. But I've never I've seen a request for a non-colored cough drop. Me neither. I mean, I've never seen a clear cough drop. 
I've seen requests for codeine cough drops, but never clear cough drops. Codeine cough drops? Yeah. Where does where does these exist? No, you I mean it's their prescription. You can get codeine cough drops. Really? I think so. Mm. I mean, I shouldn't get too excited. Codeine, codeine is not enjoyable for me. Hmm. Thank the Lord. Knock on wood, it don't take. <laughs> <laughs> she don't sit right. I've never, I've never had a, a codeine cough drop bender. Mm. All right, vegetable fruit tray with hummus for sure. Very standard vegan soup. We got, I got some white bean and kale soup for for my. Vaughn's has very good soups. Very slept on. I feel like she may not know you well enough, although I could be wrong. She should have requested a homemade vegan soup because you would have <laughs> burnt that thing out the park, dog. Because I'll, I'll put everything in there. No, just like, could you imagine like the vegan soup that we could have made her? From, I know, like, right? From scratch as opposed to like, and you know, like, you have to be safe. Things have to be sealed. I get it. But sure. like, if she only knew, like if you were friends with her, if this was like your 10th year of doing it, she's like, could you make me the soup, Jason? Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be amazing. Yeah, that's kind of the tough thing about being a celebrity is you get so many you food can't tr- items. can't trust it. You can't trust them. Like, you're going you're gonna to definitely take one bite of this apple pie and die. Like, I'm playing on a, <clears throat> what, I'm playing on a Thursday. I know you're going to hit the farmer's market on Sunday. <laughs> Could you hit me up a soup? I know that the first peaches of what the season it, are arriving. Whatever's fresh. <laughs> I know uh, you've been Whatever soaking, looks good. You've been soaking those cannellinis overnight, haven't you? Mm. Whole wheat bread, meat cheese tray with condiments, mayo, and mustard. That's probably for her backup dancers and stuff like that. That's for the entourage, for sure. For the entourage. That might even be a manager request. Yeah. And then the standard paper plates, napkins, all Here, that stuff. Here's a question. Will you have raw onions on the sandwich tray? Hell no. Okay, good call. No, no, no. I mean... They, I'm not. They're not even getting lettuce. No, I, that used to happen all the time. Like backstage, raw onions are no no. Like people throwing them in hallways. Like get these things. These our green room now smells like onions. Get these. Oh out here. yeah, yeah. When yeah. you request the sandwich tray, people are so sensitive about onions. I don't mind them. Me neither. But people are. People despise them. Um. Water, juice, blah, 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 pineapple, cranberry, bottle of pineapple Ciroc, the crown jewel of this tech writer. That's the one. People love pineapple and peach Ciroc. Really? Yeah. I mean... I didn't know that. Urban people. Got it. So you're saying like people who live in populations of more than 100,000. That's right. There you go. But it does. it is delicious. It goes down sweet. It's one of those, It's one of those things where like... You just mix it with a little bit of soda, and you're like, mm, this is... I'm this sure is. I've had it somewhere in a mixed cocktail, but I've never bought in a bottle, so I kind of don't know what it's like. I mean, it's... it's I pretty, would imagine it's really good flavored vodka. It, I, don't, I wouldn't throw around really good, but it's definitely better than you think it's going to be. Got it. Because, you know... You a little get, chemically? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. You, mm. But, you know, when you get like, oh, try this... Alize or try this whatever flavor right. alcohol thing like it's always a full nightmare in your mouth i would imagine it's better than the absolute stuff yeah i would say so bottle of grenadine which is fun and flirty i mean that has to be that has to come in twos like that has to be part of the ciroc pineapple vibe like she has a specific cocktail of i mean I, pineapple juice ciroc pineapple and grenadine 
I mean, unless grenadine. It's like a little tequila sunrise almost. Yeah, unless you mix the grenadine with like sparkling water and somehow that's, or just regular water and somehow that loosens the vocal cords. I can't. <laughs> grenadine, so far to me, is the most obscure thing. Mm-hmm. Like pineapple or any kind of flavored alcohol or any, to be honest, any alcohol wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I would, grenadine. grenadine is the only weird thing on there. All right, sleeper. Um, but I mean that's pretty much it though. And then the the classic uh, hand towels, yep. first water. aid kit, which is very um, responsible of her. Interesting. Uh, and I got her a little first aid kit. But you know, I'm looking forward to Maya, vegan Maya. I'll send you some pics. I mean, I don't need to send you pics because you're gonna be there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what? Would be the sleeper hits for you to sneak in thinking but not knowing she's vegan. But you're just like, you know what? You didn't ask for it. I'm just going to put it out there on the table. Maybe it excites you. I think maybe like going to like Flore vegan restaurant and getting her like some vegan chocolate cupcakes. Yep. Something like that. Or maybe like a vegan BLT. You know, just some just some weird like if she really is vegan and I think she's flying in from like Baltimore or something like that. Right. Like, she's prob there's probably like so many awesome vegan foods that exist here in LA that she's never yeah. had a chance to ex- experience. She's I want to blow her mind. Gracias Madre or I mean she wouldn't go to Real Food Daily, would she? I would yeah, I she would might. Yeah, I, like I could see that. Um what about some tofu cuties in the freezer? Ooh. Mm-hmm. That might be nice. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Some soft batch cookies? No, she's better than that. <laughs> the same thing. In the 90s, sure. You microwave those things, though? <laughs> oh. Come out oven fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight seconds only. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it for good old Maya. We're... I think that's a really fair, responsible writer. Uh, yeah, it's not exuberant at all. A little booze, little throat softener with the, uh, with the tea. But usually what happens with these writers is... They ask for all of this shit. They go to soundcheck, and they go to, to a, a restaurant, a fun, great dinner, or yeah, a cock- and they yeah. come back, and then at, at one fifteen a.m., one of the backup dancers makes eight sandwiches, wraps it in foil, puts yeah. it in his bag, and then uh, you open the bag of Doritos and you take one chip. But that, bu- well, I guess she's flying in. But if she had a bus, there's ner- nary a bottle left behind. Oh, absolutely. If there was a bus, it's there's like... There's a bus, there's no bottle. Mm-mm. But you, every time I'm at a show where I've performed with like a, a big act like that, that, that'll happen. And then as soon as lights up at 2 a.m. and the artist leaves the venue, all the giant security guards just hit it like a ton of bricks. They just, yes. They just, they're, they're in the office while all the bartenders are counting money. All the massive Samoan security guards are just plowing through all this free food. The venue PAs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which is like actually a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's giving back. It's, <laughs> I mean, just to watch people who never get free food, yeah. especially on this caliber, just have complete and utter access to it, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It's like a Victorian painting. They deserve it. They, I don't know the if they backbone. Do. The backbone. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe not. Yeah. There's one out of ten security guards are cool. From my, I was going to say maybe, maybe not so much security. I meant more like the PAs. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like the dudes who are just like, yeah, I'm just driving the shuttle today. 
Any mm-hmm. chance I could get a sandwich when if everybody leaves? Shut up. You get this oats and honey bar <laughs> yeah. that you bought from a gas station. <laughs> just throw him some Splenda packets, some Splenda packets, and just punch him in the stomach. <laughs> yeah. You guys really are security. Ooh. All right, we've got a couple Twitter questions, and then my friend, um, my friend Do, sent me like four million questions, and they're all pretty amazing. Shout out to Do, we're going to answer them all right now, rapid fire. This is, it's very reminiscent of I, last night. I went to a, my uh, my agent's birthday at Soho House, and I not to do a full Hollywood name drop plug. Humble brag, but I ran into I, I ran brag. into this dude who came up and talked to us, who was like, "Hey guys, I'm autistic. Do you want to play trivia?" And I was like, hell yeah. And he's like, all right, 20 bucks, and I'll ask you a bunch of questions. If you get more of them right than wrong, then, then you win. And I won, which was, which was dope, but I didn't take his money. But they were like amazing. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to slow your roll. <laughs> Go back to the opener of Hey, I'm Autistic. He's like, he, he just wanted to talk to us. Okay. And we we're like, all right, that's fine. He's like, hey, do you want me to? Ask you like a bunch of trivia questions, and we're like, yeah, sure, sounds fun. Did you have any idea of what kind of trivia would be? Did you were you like, give me give me one sample question, and then I will say yes to the twenty dollar bet. Obviously, you want no. to take the money because you're a nice guy. No, but it could be like in nineteen twenty two. It was it was, was it was all over the board. Okay, like he uh, he was like, what's the capital of Canada? And the answer is Ottawa. And I didn't know that. I was gonna say Toronto. I didn't even know Canada had a capital. Wait, is Canada a country or a state? I don't understand. <laughs> uh, I but no but he like all, all these, and I was, I was telling him, like, autistic people are the best trivia people of all time. Like, if, like that, every autistic person should work for Jeopardy because they ask, like, the best weird kind of off-the-beaten-path questions. Or like, one question he was like, all right, 1974, 1975, 1977, name a movie that won Best Picture in one of those three years. 74, 75, 77? Mm-hmm. Dog Day Afternoon? That may have been one of them. I hit okay. him with a cuckoo's nest, and, mm. I got, and that's what sealed me in. No... Nice. Pull that one. But it just it was like you that's know, a like, good one. What's though. the second president's name? All these things like who invented radio? Just crazy. Toronto. Stuff. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember why I was talking about Soho House in the beginning. Uh, you were talking about uh, meeting your manager there. Okay. Okay. Oh, much much like this autistic man's questions. My friend Do sent me a barrage of a barrage. Uh, not autistic not unautistic right food related questions which are tight real quick though before we get into those i want to go back to the fact that i just realized maybe that jeopardy is weeding out autistic contestants because they're too good and not camera friendly and that angers me because when you see oh. people on jeopardy sometimes they're maybe not the most evasive people they're definitely not clinically autistic Right, and it's like they're probably like when they're doing like getting the guests up, screening people. They're like, yeah, that's not going to work so much. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's like you can't bring your dinosaur toy up onto the podium, buddy. <laughs> like that's not going to happen. <laughs> you can't bring your dinosaur toy. I mean, it, it's much like a like a Miss America pageant. Like, 
you gotta you gotta have the bikini body and you gotta be able to the camera's gotta like you a little bit yes but there there's definitely like everybody who's done very well on jeopardy definitely like they didn't have a full 24 hour brine but they had like a an hour and a half brine in the autistic bath just saying you heard it here first jeopardy's bullshit trivia world <laughs> What if there's like an underground street fighting autistic trivia club that we don't know about? What if be amazing? We pitch this show to the new Viceland Network, <laughs> Autistic Jeopardy, where it's only autistic people and they blow the shit out of any other Jeopardy question, period. What if we just pitch to Adult Swim? People? For listeners at home, we're drinking a little bit of alcohol. <laughs> what, what, what if we just pitch to Adult Swim a trivia show that's only with people with Tourette's? Same thing. Okay. Same exact thing. Fair enough. Same thing. Different. Different result. I sent that to WGA last week, guys. So I don't even think about. Fingers that. crossed. Yeah. yeah we, we. It's all in there. All right. Try and take it. All right. We've questions. Di- we've diverted. We've diverted. All right. First one is a, is a very intellectual one. When did you know you were a foodie? Which is which is at first glance a bad question, but I was. It's actually something that I was thinking about earlier. I was like. Shit, I am. I, I as much as I try not to be a foodie, I am a foodie. Right. Much, much like as much as I don't like to say I'm a hipster by classical definition, I right. am one. Obviously, just mm-hmm. by looking at me and all the the shit that I do. Yep, all the kale that I eat. But um, I don't know when I first realized I was a foodie. It, it was probably uh, maybe like ten years ago. I'd say. Maybe before the word foodie came around. But it's kind of, I mean, I, I think the word foodie is exactly like the word hipster, where you can be one and say you're not one, or you can be one and sort of own it. Right. I think there's certain, I mean, I guess I want to make the argument because, well, I don't know. But I'd, I'd say, like, they're, I agree, on the surface level, they're very, very similar in kind of their they have their description. They have but an overall negative connotation, will, but it is it is what it is. I will say this: like to me, the foodie is a person in some ways who Instagrams mm-hmm. Instagrams their food. Uh, has I have no to idea be, what you're talking about. Has to be well, but there's also <laughs> good versions and bad versions. Yes, um, and has to be the person at the newest restaurant. Um, as a food blog. Well, I guess you know this is just my own opinion, mm-hmm. but I feel like the the idea of foodie to me has lost some of the some of like the very important romantic ideas about food and how it the role it plays in our lives. Uh, it becomes competitive. It's like cooking shows. It becomes a competition. Mm-hmm. It's I eat this, I cook this, I use this, I do this method, and it gets that that place removed from how intrinsically important food is in our lives in the way that it you know it's it's the fuel of keeping us alive so and it goes for, goes from being somebody who's a unabashed lover of food into somebody who loves using social media to tell everybody else about how much they love food and all of the cool food things that they're doing right and to me i mean i i don't know if it's a buddhist quote but i know it's an eastern philosophy quote oh. that it <laughs> God damn it! But weave it's, it in, baby. But it's that we eat to live, not live to eat. Mm. And in that idea, to me, I mean, there's a speak for yourself, Gandhi. But in the idea that it's 
you know, the best thing about food is bringing people together and sharing and, and enjoying it. And when it becomes like, if, is foodie going to Noma for your birthday when half a percent of the universe can afford to do that? I mean, is being a foodie being having enough money to go to the restaurants that a lot of people can't afford to go to? Um, mm. And are some of the best things that I've ever eaten come from somebody's kitchen? Um, mm. that not from the most expensive restaurant I've ever eaten at. So in a way, like it's, I don't like the, <laughs> it's, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure everybody has their own definition of what a foodie is, but it's certainly, mine is one that has at some point kind of lost the concept of the, why food is so great. And, and I would say it becomes like, you know, uh, an Instagram, Twitter, Yelp thing. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would say social media, you know, has sort of ruined mankind and humanity as a whole, including the food culture. But as far as when I realized I really liked food, um, I, I mean, for me, it's growing up in a big Italian family and my dad being kind of the cook of the household. Uh, my mom's a good cook, too, but he did a lot of the meals and I did a lot of it with him. And I think it was like, you know, we'd have big Easter's, we'd have big uh, family dinners, and and it seemed like the most important. My dad and mom didn't go out necessarily for drinks; they had people over for dinner. And so I feel like I grew up in a household where the main event was dinner, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even necessarily like fancy food or crazy recipes. Although my dad does have a copper pot and does make his own zabayon, which is pretty amazing. Mm. I think every dad's got like a little trick up their sleeve for cooking. But it was that. I mean, it was kind of like seeing how wonderful it is to have bottles of wine open around the table and and at least have the food be good. Sure. And I think that's what I carried into when I got older. I also was lucky to meet a lot of people that loved to cook and kind of like that just continued. Whereas like the best times were speaking food and friends sitting down and eating. Maybe it's time we expose and give a little light to the people who are super good at food making but aren't necessarily playing the social media game. Yeah. Because that, I mean, that's sort of true with, with where I am at with music, where like back in the day, like if you make good music and you're a cool person, that's all you need to do. But now it's right. like, do you do you have a good twitter presence and is your snapchat funny and engaging and do you say cool stuff on facebook like that's equally as important as the music that you're making if not more so and it's sort of the same thing for food like are you a really good chef or do you have the ability to like say crazy stuff on youtube it's 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 hard to distinguish if you're going from a level of popularity or views but i think when you see it and i think one one of the constant reminders that we can you and i can be so on the same page with food sometimes it's like when you go to the food wishes which we mention all the time but it's still one of my favorites you go to the food wishes youtube channel or blog and it is like literally the most base like uncool Mm -hmm. with some of the best recipes in the universe with a guy who makes complete sense with everything he says and the way he talks and it's like if someone who likes cooking food can't respond to something like that then that's it. Then get but, the hell out of here. But we also like, you know, I I watch munchies. I mean, I enjoy all that stuff too, mm-hmm. but 
but I overload very quickly. Like I get in like 45 minutes, an hour of that stuff. And I'm like, okay, I can't just, yeah. I can't binge watch this, but I can watch something where somebody's really intelligently talking about recipes that are approachable for six hours and just be like, all right, let's keep this on repeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're absorbing knowledge that you can use with your own cooking game. Um, let's keep it moving. We have a lot. Well, wait, you didn't answer when you thought you were a foodie. I mean, I thought I was a foodie when I started having enough money to go to nice restaurants, probably. That's it. I mean, that's a big part of it, too. Mm-hmm. When I stopped having to eat the pizza from yesterday as my dinner. Yep. And I could afford to go eat a nice sushi meal or something like that. And I was like, oh, this is this is my, you know, having a problem with buying shoes or you know, electronics or being a, a tech guy. And like, I, 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 you know, instead of buying like a very cool TV or a cool car or a cool whatever clothing, I didn't really care about that much. I, I wanted to more so spend my money on, on food. I think that's like a, well, we should move on, but I think that's just like, it's such a conversation that is not talked about, I guess, because if you're in a room with people who make a lot of money in LA the conversation is not about like could you afford to go somewhere but mm-hmm. it's like there's such a price barrier there's such a socioeconomic barrier to what is instagrammed as being a foodie mhm i mean it's huge yeah just because you have a amazing collection of lamborghinis doesn't mean you love cars more than a guy who has a volkswagen bug that's super cherry but just the reason just because the reason you were able to go to the the whatever restaurant is on the cusp I mean, there's very few things, like, or not few things, but there's a decent amount. Jonathan Gold probably does it better than anybody else in the universe. But you look at Jonathan Gold's top 100, and you got like 80% of those mm-hmm. are not affordable, mm-hmm. you know, or are a birthday dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something special. Sure. I mean, Providence is insanely expensive, and that's always is number one or number two. Mm-hmm. And then he has, like, you know, he slips in all the great outliers that he finds. But the majority is, it's not affordable and it's not fair, <laughs> you know. You, that's why the, I like the idea of foodie being, or I don't even, I, fuck, I, it's like the third time I use that word <laughs> in two years. But um, th- that idea of who that person is, I w- would love for it to be brought more into the idea of something at home with affordable ingredients that just takes time and, and well, know, well, luckily we enthusiasm. Luckily we have people like, food wishes on youtube who is yeah. like hey you can make this crazy amazing ass meal at home with yep. these basic tools and basic ingredients and you can eat like a king and you don't have to buy i'm not asking a copper to find pot and a wagyu machine. beef just right. make this meal like you want to know how to make this osabuco here it is it's not that expensive and everybody at your table will love it and since they love it they'll be in a good mood and that means you can spend the next three hours drinking wine and having fun mm-hmm. and playing Autistic Jeopardy. <laughs> Playing Autistic Jeopardy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> let's see here. We we have a few questions that are not real questions. What's the difference between a chickpea and a garbanzo bean, Harris? That's not funny. There is technically no difference, as we all know. Um, favorite keto meal for high elevation climbing? Asking for a friend. Um, my friend Chase asked me that question and it was not for a friend. It was definitely for him. Keto is, I don't know exactly what a keto diet is. I think it's maybe along the lines of, 
maybe like sort of Atkins-y. No, or is it? Or I think it may be a like keto diet. Is that paleo? It's different than paleo. I think it is. I think it might involve like your respiratory and and breathing, like things to help you breathe easier. Chia seeds. Um, it's a diet. It's a low carb diet where the body produces ketones in the liver to be used as energy. Referred to as the ketogenic diet, low carb diet, low carb high fat diet, where you eat something high in carbs, your body will produce glucose and insulin. Blah 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 blah. So lowering the intake of carbs, the body is induced into a state of ketosis, where the natural process initiates the help to survive. Okay, this seems when food intake is low. Sounds kind of familiar. I would imagine you'd want to get your fats from uh, seeds. You know, you'd mm-hmm. want to do some some olive oil. You want to keep if you're talking about a, a, a semi not high fat but fat inclusive diet. You want to stay away from animal fats. Mm-hmm. Um, so lean protein, but well sourced high omega oils like um, bran, olive. Um, you know, lots of nuts. It looks like the keto diet breakdown is 5% carb, 25% protein, 70% fat. Oh, yeah. I got no idea. I got so nothing. So this, this is like a true like hunter and gatherer diet. I got nothing for you, buddy. Like you eat once every two weeks. Right. Crazy lifestyle vibe. Yeah, we. Uh, this is the wrong podcast for that. Unfortunately, Chase, I'm sorry. But um, it, it, it seems interesting. I like any diet where 70% of it is fat. And speaking of that, free grilled cheese, which is a uh, a party where they give away free grilled cheeses, said, what is your favorite grilled cheese recipe? Mm. And I don't really find myself making grilled cheeses very often, even though they are delicious. It's kind of like a BLT. Like, it is delicious and amazing, but I usually don't ever order one at a restaurant. You know? No. I, I I think one of my favorite, um, my favorite melting cheeses is Fontina. Mm-hmm. Italian Fontina, not domestic Fontina. Domestic Fontina is very um, plain. And Italian, as my grandfather would tell you, it's got a very different flavor. It, off, it often comes kind of like it's got holes in it like Swiss cheese, very small ones. Um, I would say you know, whatever your favorite cheese is, I, when it comes to grilled cheese to me, it's more technique than ingredients. Once you get past like this is just going to have American cheese in it, if you start adding breeze or goudas or blue cheeses or fontinas i suggest it's more about getting a really nice crust on the bread you're using so you want to pick a really sturdy bread that can hold up to what i would like to say like when you use a bacon weight or a meat weight Mm -hmm. and like the i think lodge sells one that's really good that's i think it's the one i have but when you want to make a grilled cheese you want to butter the bread Mm. like very like grilled cheese not being a daily driver means that you're going to make it a little unhealthy so it tastes good kind of like a hamburger you got to go full yeah like you don't like compromise yeah it's not like oh i'm gonna go light on this it's like well just eat it once a month and make it really good if you make a burger and you don't use 80 20 fat ratio you're you're playing yourself there's no point i mean i think comsa said that their grind was 60 40 Mm. and i think um umami is like close to that too like 65 35 just eat it once in a while. Mm-hmm. But so you want to really well butter the outside of whatever bread you're using, like a nice sourdough or a rye is great. 
but use a weight on it so it presses down into that pan and really kind of gets that like hard toasted crust on it. And that's going to not only help melt the cheese, but it's like the texture. There's nothing worse than a soggy grilled cheese sandwich because it's mm-hmm. just a waste of unhealthy food and like it doesn't taste good. Well, I feel like the Alton Brown grilled cheese method is going to be the answer to all of those problems. Is that pan? Was that like a pan on top of the thing in the pan? No. Okay. It, it is. It is grilled cheese by literal definition, where he does it on a grill on an actual barbecue grill, with with charcoal and everything. But he takes the bread, butters it up, and then grills it over charcoal fire on both sides, just toast only. And then he makes a aluminum foil well which he then puts grated cheese into and then grills the cheese separately. What? So you just basically make a little mini boat out of aluminum foil, fill it with cheese, and then you cook that, gr- you cook that cheese over the charcoal grill. So some of that charcoal f- you know, flavor gets into the cheese, and the cheese melts into this kind of molten puddle of of cheese right and then you have your two perfectly crunchy toasted pieces of bread and then you just take that well of cheese and dump it on the bread and put the put the other one on top of it and then boom double toasted extra crunchy i mean super the, gooey cheese the smokiness the bread's gonna absorb that smoke really well yeah so man. that sounds really good i just I, I having never had one i can't imagine how that all marries together obviously it's a little ridiculous but if you look right. on youtube alton brown grilled cheese recipe do you remember what kind of cheeses he used um, I don't offhand. Um, provolone, brie, blue cheese, fontina. Those are all good melting cheeses. Mm-hmm. Goudas, they have to be soft goudas. Hard goudas don't melt very well. I feel like well. grilled cheese, I like, I like to have a little cheddar in there at least. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, when you cook it like that, the cheese is full melty, bubbly, even maybe turn a little extra brown. Yeah. You know, a nice little, little bubble on there. So... I would give that a try. You don't. I mean, and also that's something you don't need to use a, a full barbecue grill for. You can just put melted cheese, you know, in a bowl in the microwave and make toast and do it like that. If you want to be, you know, college dorm style. Um. All right. Next up. I realized I love food the first time I had escargot on the Disney cruise during my fourth grade summer vacation. Chris David, that's not really a question. That's not a question. Although that is... But also the thought of having escargot in a Disney cruise line is a nightmare. I, yeah, I, I can't really imagine. I feel like you lost a bet on that one in fourth grade. <laughs> That's insane. Like your friend Steve was like, do it. Just, pull, just try it. And then you did. And it was delicious. But even at my... Like right now, if I was... I mean, I can't imagine eating anything on a cruise. I have a hard time. Like, and I... You don't know, I've never you been don't on know one. how that sausage is made. I've never been on one. I've heard that there are ones now that are actually specific food cruises where they go to destinations, but they've got crazy chefs or like they really kind of laud like how great their food is. I've but, only done the 311 cruise. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Wait, does, um, does the Dave Matthews Band cruise count? I'm sure that exists. It does. Um, um, but wait, I think... I'm scared to eat anything on a cruise. I'm scared to be on a cruise. I'm scared about everything on a cruise, especially like a couple of years ago when the whole thing broke down with mm. the sewer system. It's just like, I just can't. It's so frightening to me. 
There's too many downsides, for, and there's almost zero upsides to being on a cruise. Okay, upsides to me are pool, except it's got a shit ton of people in it and it sucks. Yeah. Uh, Not cas- that hard to find a pool. Casino. You don't like to gamble. Casino to me, that's a that's fun upside. That's probably the only upside that's I can think of. That's a fun sign where I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Like, get in the pool, take a drink, go to, get to play little cards, roll some dice. Mm-hmm. I'm not in Vegas. These are all pluses. Water. Yeah. International waters. Um, so, and the one thing I've heard from, like, more people than not, like, the Alaska cruise is, like, that's a way to see Alaska. It's pretty magical. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know. I'll do you know, one, you know I'll do one think, someday. Uh, this is what I think killed the cruise. Wi-Fi. Can you not get Wi-Fi on the cruise? It costs, like, $30 a day to get, basically, dial-up service or something like that. There, aren't there huge DJ, like, EDM cruises? Yeah. And everybody I know who goes on them every year just come, you know, they, they have no internet or they buy the shitty internet and it's almost more frustrating than not getting internet at all. I think Dano was telling me about, Dano was telling me about some, Holy Ship is one of them. Mm-hmm. He was telling me like, yeah, that he spent his whole time just trying to either talk to his girlfriend or text <laughs> yeah. her somehow. You have no cell phone reception, like you have no Wi-Fi. Five dollars a minute and to use something. In the 70s and 80s, no problem, all good. Yeah. Nowadays, you're going to die without that Wi-Fi. I also feel like, yeah, this has nothing to do with food, but I just can't imagine like an EDM cruise. Like, what? How much space do they allot for the paramedics <laughs> for shit to go wrong? Because, <laughs> like, I know, like, things have to go wrong at some point. Oh yeah, and, like there's overdoses. You are, there's no like. I guess they have they have helicopters. I see you have to wonder how far out I mean, they, they probably are. have to have, like, in-ship right. emergency room facilities, yeah. but it's, you know, still not that great. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, so never go on a cruise. Yeah, just trust your Molly dealer you when see, you're going you out there. 311 to- in Boise. <laughs> Dry land, baby. All right, we, we're in the part where we answer all of Dew's amazing questions. All right. Dew is a friend of mine that I've known for a long time who also happens to love food. And just cooks extravagant meals. Like on Fourth of July, she bought like thirty crabs and did a giant, or thirty lobsters and did a giant like lobster clam bake in burlap sacks in her backyard for thirty of her closest friends. Or Good. Uh, on Christmas, she had a holiday party where she ordered like five ducks from a company in New York that were shipped over with all the foie gras and the legs already confit and the breasts ready to go. Like. She does it. She does it real. Do I'm looking for that invite? Yeah, she'll have parties and just have like, oh, we got a Chinese suckling pig, with all the bows and all the fixings and everything like that. That is awesome. So she kills it. So um, these are her bizarre and amazing questions that she sent. I need to know how Trader Joe's is selling me shelf stable whipping cream that is unrefrigerated. WTF is in that? Um, I know that. That's a good question because I was thinking like Cool Whip has to be refrigerated or frozen it is in the freezer section and then whipped cream that's in a can is refrigerated that so trader joe's apparently makes a whipped cream that is fully shelf stable and god knows what is in there to make that dairy product unless it unless it's vegan somehow like it's so chemically rich like the tacos at jack-in-a-box that they are somehow shelf stable by coincidence well I mean, without knowing and or having a, you know, a, a background for chemistry in this way, 
I would say there's shelf-stable mayonnaise, which contains eggs. Yeah, that's another weird one, I isn't mean, it? It's like so without knowing why or what those preservatives are, I would say probably I've never had that product from Trader Joe's. But never will. Um for whatever reason maybe Cool Whip or everybody else makes a product they think is worth refrigerating because of the quality mm-hmm. and maybe somehow um they've crossed uh, a chemical boundary at Trader Joe's where it's like we think this is good enough but it's also shelf stable. Mm-hmm. I mean there are there are plenty of dairy products, condensed milk. I mean, there's plenty of mm-hmm. things out there that shouldn't be shelf-stable but are because of chemistry. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's probably one of those where... But it has to... I would imagine... I, I don't want to say has to, but I would imagine it sacrifices something, whether it's texture, taste, flavor, uh, to be shelf-stable in that way. But it also makes sense in Trader Joe's because they're, the room on their shelves is so ridiculously tight... Mm-hmm. from their coolers to their freezers, that it makes sense uh, to me that they were like, well, if we can just fit a little bit of this and make it shelf-stable, it's this is worthwhile. I say moral of the story, there's no reason you should ever buy that unless you're a full maniac. But preaching to the choir, if you're listening to a food podcast, you probably are making your own whipped cream by hand with a chilled metal bowl and yeah, a whip. you can't turn it upside down into a whippet either, so it's like, why even buy it? Mm-hmm. All right, next question. I need to know what to do with 15 pounds of pork chops that are two years old and want out of my life. Hmm. <laughs> this, is, this is a very good question. It is a good question. Uh, you know, I, I maybe... So they're in the freezer. Yeah, that's... You, that, you gotta... You, no, there's nothing to do. You, th- you think two years is past the cutoff? Um, I would... And what about sausage? Does... Is it a he or she? Sorry. She. She. Does she have dogs? Yes. I would say um, braise them into with very little oil, very little fat. Like cook that down lean if they're lean chops into dog food if you can. Because after two years, if they've been frozen, I mean, regardless of whether they're vacuum sealed or not, it's it's. I mean, if if you're flying in thirty lobsters for Fourth of July, you don't need to try and. I mean, I know you don't <laughs> want to waste food, but well, like, that's a that's a great answer. They're not going to taste good, so I would tr- try and turn them into like, you know cooked patties and then maybe refreeze them or something or something but i yeah i i think if it's not a necessity of your of your uh economic status it's not really worth consumption even though i hate to waste food too dog food is a great answer to that um next one okay are all these sets of all-clad pans that people get for <laughs> their weddings really worth it, or should I get these restaurant supply pans because they're cheaper? That's – I mean, my first answer is absolutely yes. They are worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have all-clad pans from the 70s that my parents gave me when I moved out. Um, Those are from the 70s? Yeah. Amazing. And then when you look at them, like you look at the bottoms, I use – bartender's friend on them to keep them like keep the the stainless on top nice but you look at the bottoms i'll show you when we're done it's like insane so well that was another question am i disgusting for having the outside of my pans be burnt and gross hell no (coughs) no it's i say wear that as a badge of honor i use the bartender's friend not for i mean you can use it for cosmetics Mm -hmm. but when i'm cooking something like if i'm 
frying in it and the oil is just really difficult to get off, it's just as easy, or I mean, wait, it's a lot easier to use a little bit of bartender's friend than just like use a scrubby pad to try and get that stuff off. It comes off really quickly. Mm-hmm. It takes off like long cooked high heat oil off the pans really well. Um, I mean, the restaurant supply stuff, I think, works really well. It's Sometimes it's really not that much cheaper. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. it's, you know, 50 bucks versus 80 or 60 mm-hmm. bucks versus 120. Um, it depends on what all clad you buy because I think they have three or four tiers. I mm-hmm. think the copper bottom all clad is completely overpriced and completely mm-hmm. cosmetic. And usually anybody that will tell you who's who's not trying to upsell you at Sir Latab or Williams-Sonoma or Macy's will tell you that it's it's cosmetic right. for the most part. Because no any copper pan really that isn't pure copper all the way through isn't a copper pan. Mm-hmm. And it's really only for confectionery cooking for the most part anyways. Um, I mean, if you can afford it, they're beautiful. But, sure. um, yeah, if you get, like, the, the low to middle grade tier all clad, it really will not only last you a lifetime, but can be, if you if you ruin that pan, say it's a Califon or something else, I mean, you can bring that back to life with some work in a way that I, I think lesser grade stainless steel pans are. It's also a luxury. Yeah. But if you can afford it, I think they're absolutely worth it. I. Yeah, the restaurant stuff is good, but it's sort of meant to be replaced every five, ten years. Couple of years, yeah, Depending on your use. Um, And I, you know, I think I've said this before. It's like a a good pro tip is Craigslist. A lot of times people are either selling uh, wedding gifts they don't want anymore um, or they got multiples of, mm. or I even bought, I bought like an $800 set. I think when I was like 20 years old off Craigslist for 300 bucks that a kid whose mom worked in the Macy's cooking department gave mm. him cause she gets like 80% off or something, gave him as a graduation gift. And he's like, I don't want to cook anything for the rest of my <laughs> life. I love Taco Bell. So that buying that, I would say buying that stuff, at full price, you can find it really easily in a lot of places, a lot cheaper, if not almost half off. Um, I also buy things, you know, like yard sales and stuff all the time. Like if I see like a nice stainless all clad or a nice piece of cast iron, I have no problem buying that stuff used at all. If it looks, mm-hmm. you know, cast iron doesn't have to be in decent shape, but stainless. So, um, yeah, I think it's totally worth it. And if don't you can be find and, it for a and good no price. reason to have the bottom of your pan being all gross and messy looking and be worried about that. Absolutely not. I mean, that means you use it. If anybody thinks that that's gross, it means that they mm. whatever they have in their kitchen they don't use. I like I like a very well used outside pan. Um, all right, all right. <clears throat> so yeah, bar 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 keeps friend. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is another question that you might be able to answer. How do you clean a soda stream after trying to make carbonated coffee? <laughs> I have no idea. And follow-up question, how do I carbonate coffee without a soda stream? <laughs> follow-up question, have you ever had carbonated coffee? It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's do, right? Yes. Do, you're amazing. And also, follow-up follow question, my soda stream is disgusting now. Um, I've never, I've had a soda stream, I think since they came out, cause I, uh, my favorite thing in the world is sparkling water. Um, but I've never done anything once in the soda stream other than sparkling water. Cause I don't want to spend another like 80 bucks at fucking Bed Bath and Beyond right. to get another one. Never use like the, I mean, all the stuff that they give you too, 
unless you misread the directions, it's like additives, right? You never do anything in a soda stream with something inside the bottle other than water. You mm-hmm. add it afterwards. So um, I would say my friend Bob's Moody, a friend of the podcast, um, he's got his own setup, his own fake soda stream setup off Amazon that doesn't actually run through a machine. He's got like a, a carbonating industrial size he has bottle, a CO2 tank. CO2 tank that runs off of uh, some kind, you know, piping into like a weird fitting that fits onto soda stream bottles, mm-hmm. which means he pays like under one cent per bottle. Which is mm-hmm. way, and Soda Stream's not that cheap. It's just cheaper than everything else unless you get into crazy DIY territory. Mm. Um, but he, you know, maybe I'll ask him and next pod, we'll see if he's going to answer. But hasn't he, like, experimented with trying to carbonate things other than water? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I think he has. I don't know that much about them. I also, I'm not real engineeringly inclined. So when I see, like, pressure valves, I just expect them to explode in my face if I do anything to them. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I would say. Maybe look into those things that you use to like soak your shower head when there's too much buildup on those, since the water that's coming out of there is still, you know, I don't know if it's going to be like food, but like you know, if 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 it's good enough to clean your shower where water is shooting out of a pipe into your mouth and eyes and you know orifices, then it should in theory be healthy for you and not like a damaging chemical. <laughs> so maybe look into something like that, like soak your unit in for. I mean, if I had to guess how to clean it, you know, I've never done this before, um, so maybe it's a horrible idea. But you know, going back to like cleaning blenders or anything, cleaning a Vitamix, you just put really hot water mm-hmm. into it, especially if you have the glass bottles. Mm-hmm. You could put really hot water into it. I mean, it might melt the plastic inside the Vitamix. But basically, what you want to do is try and get hot water in there to clean up any coffee. Um, so I would start there with maybe lukewarm or, you know, kind of hotter water and carbonate just that until and keep pressing it and carbonating it over and over and over until it looks clear. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, maybe, you know, that's a way to clean it up. Um, but I, if you really like it, um, maybe buy a second soda stream and that's just for coffee. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that maybe the disgustingness and the residue isn't really that bad because it's just coffee residue and... It, you might have like one coffee one and one water one, and mm-hmm. it, you don't notice that it's, there's a poor taste coming yeah. off the coffee you one. A blue one and a brown one. Yeah, I would say if you're going to be making carbonated coffee, first off, I'm assuming it's going to be cold coffee and not hot coffee because hot carbonated coffee sounds very creepy. But I would say just make very concentrated cold brew coffee and then mix that with carbonated water. That is by far the most intelligent thing that I did not think of. That, sounds, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Going back to the idea that you're supposed to just add things to carbonated water as opposed to carbonating it itself. <laughs> um, she has some crazy questions here. Also, I want to send you pictures of something I think I can eat but don't want to die trying it. Do you have someone who can ID things? <laughs> Yes, send in your send in your photo. I don't know what this is, but um, we, we can talk about the next one. She said, I, I saw somebody refer once to jasmine rice as jasmine flowers added to rice. If this is true, I fucking need this in my life if it's real. Never Have you ever of heard of that? <clears throat> no, never heard of it. Adding jasmine flowers to rice sounds interesting. We're going to add some lemongrass and kefir limes to some rice later. Mm-hmm. So that's tight. 
Not unlike a. I mean, I've never. I guess I've never really bought or used jasmine flowers for anything. Um, for tea. Mm-hmm. You've you've you have before. My mom has. Yeah. Okay. Maybe a nice jasmine flower infused I mean, rice would be delicious. I mean, the texture of it's going to ruin the rice. Possibly, maybe if you're just adding, unless you're removing the tea afterwards. So I would try adding some jasmine tea leaves to whatever rice you're making. Uh, it's essentially going to steep in the same way that you would tea. It's actually going to oversteep. Uh, it's going to boil. So I would use less than you would think to start with. But it sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I, I need to... What about an Earl Grey morning porridge? Yeah. Earl Grey morning porridge sounds amazing. Yeah, right? And you can maybe get caffeinated porridge. There you go. That's nice. Yeah. A nice antioxidant caffeine oatmeal. Take that, Joel Cola. This is crazy. Lastly, have you killed an animal yet other than seafood? I think it might be soul-changing. I haven't really killed an animal other than, like, shooting a skunk with a blow dart or, like, throwing a rock at a skunk or something. (laughs) Um, No, but I've been been at slaughters. Uh, I've never done it myself. Mm. Um, I would say it's probably... The, uh, yeah, it's the less, um, well, so we talked about last podcast, I think, or two of them ago about being vegetarian and vegan. I would think it's kind of the, I stay away from thinking about it too much sometimes, even though I try to source all my meats and stuff as best I can. Um, yeah. It can, it can be a really interesting experience to see it happen. I've been at a pig slaughter and I've seen chicken slaughtered. Um, it reminds you where it comes from. It's good. Mm-hmm. I think it's also there's a difference between hunting and you know going to a, necessarily seeing like factory farming of animals or slaughterhouse or videos or things like that. So. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I would start with, um, I mean, you can buy live chickens in Chinatown. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would say... You can have chickens made to slaughter as well. I don't think it's going to be very soul-changing unless... The only way it would be soul-changing for me is if I was dying and I killed an animal with my bare hands and cooked it and ate it myself to stay alive. Then it would be. But you just reminded me of something, This the most... You know the TV show How It's Made? Mm Mm-hmm. It's just a TV show that shows you how all things are made. But there's an episode I just watched that's one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in my life. It's how hatchery chickens are made. And just do yourself a favor and go on YouTube and Google how it's made hatchery chicks. And be prepared to watch one of the most fucked up things you've ever seen in your life. That doesn't that doesn't sound like good advice. You know, if you feel... You know, if you if you're one of the if you're a type of person that has a little touch of the dark side. Yep. Um, that's it for do questions right now because we got to wrap up and I get the club. But lastly, we have uh, best thing we had all week. Yep. I can go first. Do it. Um, my friend Chris Chang, who's been on the show before, the office that he works at has these. Australian dessert items delivered somehow, which are not easily to f- not easily found in America. Um, 
but he gave me a box of them, and I put them in my freezer, and they are called Tim Tams. Mm. It is a chocolate biscuit treat, very popular in Australia. But Tim Tams, you put them in the freezer, they get cold and crunchy, and then you, you can dip them into things like a glass of milk or, or something like that or a cup of coffee, and that's called a Tim Tam Slam. But basically it's... Oh, sort of, that sounds so good. And the other part about the Tim Tam Slam is it's it's like a little sort of wafer cookie cracker thing fully encased in chocolate, and what you do is you bite the end off of either... It's like a sort of like a... It's like the size of a domino. So you bite either end off of the of the domino, and then you dip that into your coffee or milk or beverage and then you use it as a straw and then you suck the coffee through the Tim Tam cookie. Oh, Tim Tams. And that is a Tim Tam slam. So do yourself a favor, buy some Tim Tams. How many came in your box? There's like 30. So there's still some left. Oh, I have, I'm sitting on plenty of Tim Tams that you can enjoy the next time you come over. Stacks on stacks. What about you? Um... You couldn't make it because you were working, but uh, Zach Brooks, friend of the pod, last mm-hmm, week, mm-hmm. invited us on his uh, beef noodle crawl that yeah, he's he doing for Lucky Peach. Crawl for Lucky Peach. Um, and interestingly enough, I mean, everything was great on it, and everything is really worth going out and eating exactly what he did, uh, what he brought the journey to, because... A lot of them were very different from uh, different types of cuisines in different areas in L.A. <clears throat> but we went to Mian Noodle, which is the kind of the outpost noodle house of Chengdu Taste. Mm. Um, and it's actually something that we just ordered off menu is towards the end of the day. But they do what they call a hot and sour dumpling, which is their handmade dumplings uh, in Szechuan chili oil. And then it's not a hot and sour soup. It's more of like a kind of a bright citrus, maybe lemony, maybe limey, maybe both. Um, but they were fantastic. Um, mm. And, you know, $9, there was like 13 of them. Amazing. It was really good. Uh, you get that really enjoyable numbing sensation from the Szechuan oil. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was by far the best thing I ate this week. Hot and sour dumpling. Yeah, from Sichuan Chengdu Mian Mian M I A N M I A N Sangri. It's sort of like the Chipotle of Chengdu taste. I mean, it's for teens. It's. I feel like the quality is not down to like a Chipotle franchise level, but the the interior and the design it feels very like maybe not Pinkberry bad, but getting in that direction of like was not for me. (laughs) <laughs> but the food was, so sure. it was okay. Great. Well, um, another fantastic stew in the can. I think we need to bring really? Dew on as a guest for the show because <laughs> she's got nothing but heat for the show. Shots fired. You're, you're coming on. Um, as always, you can go to thestewpodcast.com where all of the episodes live. If you like the show, please tell a friend and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a nice rating and review. That's all we ask. And also, speaking of Lucky Peach, we will be... At the Lucky Peach event here in L.A., it's going to be on um, May 22nd. It's called Kimchi and Wieners. 
It's Lucky Peach, Williams, Sonoma, Ace Hotel are celebrating the release of The Worst of Lucky Peach, Worst spelled like Bratwurst. Um, Sunday, May 22nd from 1 to 4. There's, it's basically just a hashtag foodie event where I'm going to be DJing. There's going to be Andre's, Andre Canaparo there. Um, he's going to be on the mic freestyling. Steve Stewart hopefully will be playing some rap jams. There's going to be karaoke. Oh. There's going to be an art show. There's going to be free beer. There's going to be food provided by Hanjeep Korean Barbecue. Hanjeep, so good. Tickets are available for this event. If you go to acehotel.com backslash kimchi wieners <laughs> uh, at the Ace Hotel downtown Sunday, May 22nd. So if you are in town and you want to check this cool event out, we'll see you there. Don't be scared. Follow me on social media at them jeans. Honor Conoparo has no social media because that's how cool he is. Shout out to our moms who are always listening. Hi, Jill. Hi, Karen. See you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>